That's right. And even if someone else's insight is not something that you end up putting in the book, Mm -hmm. that insight that I got from newer freelancers basically built out the bonuses that I gave for my pre-orders. So they would say, oh, I'd really want to know like a calculator to to make my rates. And I'm like, okay, that's not a whole chapter, but I could make that into an online resource that I link to. And then people who pre-order on my launch team will get access to that stuff. Thought Fortunes podcast, episode number 24, Becoming a Successful Freelancer with Laura Pennington Briggs. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Fortunes podcast. I am your host, D. Orlando Fortune. This is a show about business and authors. With the growing demand for information, Entrepreneurs must learn how to turn their ideas into words on a page that bring in cash and share a unique message. This podcast brings you the strategies, tips, and bars to do just that and do it well using a book. Today's show is sponsored by Thought Fortune Press. You probably know that if you're not an authority in your industry, nobody's hearing your message. And you may know that the number one way to build your authority is by authoring a book. What you probably don't know is that you can write the manuscript for your first book in less than four hours. I'm D. Orlando Fortune, the lead self-publishing strategist for Thought Fortune Press, where we turn your ideas into a branded book that brings in the cash by sharing your unique message and positioning you as an authority in your industry. If you're an entrepreneur or speaker who's thinking about already writing or want to publish your next book, but you don't want to write it or you just want help getting it done, your first step is a wealthy author roadmap. This is a call to help us get to the heart of what you do for your customers. Together, we'll determine how a book will help you establish more credibility in your customers' minds and make a bigger impact in their lives while also, of course, increasing your revenues. During the call, we'll walk you through designing your book's outline and its content and create a publishing timeline that fits your goals, even if that means getting it done in as little as 90 days. What makes us different is that we know a book is only the first step into your world. Not only do we help you write the book, but we work with you on creating a signature suite of products all from your book's one outline. We do all of this using the five phases of our proprietary system, the signature book formula. To get started on your personalized wealthy author roadmap, go to thoughtfortunepress.com and click the gold start here button at the top of the page. Remember, you're only one book away. Let us at Thought Fortune Press guide you to becoming an author. Go to thoughtfortunepress.com today. So today's conversation, uh, I love writers. I love authors. I love creatives. I just love everybody, actually. But um, I was so excited about this conversation when I first recorded it because I was thinking about becoming a copywriter for so long. I've like downloaded books. I've downloaded courses and just really looked at this art of persuasion on the written page. I even have a website called storytellingoverselling.com. It's been sitting there. <laughs> I've been holding on to that website for at least five years now. I've done nothing with it because I believe in the power of story and to be persuasive. And that's what great copywriters do. They turn 
They craft these stories out of people's ideas and their concepts and their services and make you say, yeah, I'll have two of those, please. So when I got opportunity to interview uh, not only a writer, but a copywriter, I was so excited to have that conversation. So when you get into this today, you're going to hear about the importance of creating a marketing plan uh, ahead of book creation. Like any great copywriter, not only is she helping thinking about the product, but she's thinking about how she's going to get the product in other people's hands, specifically this book. So she's taken some of the ideas she's used in other in her freelancing business and applied them to her business, uh, our book business. So it's awesome to hear her thinking through the strategies on how she's creating these marketing plans well ahead of time. And it's definitely something we talk about uh, as you're getting started working with us as clients. You're going to learn we're going to start for, uh, start off with talking about how you want to launch this book, when you want to launch it, and what that launch is going to look like ahead of time. Another thing to look out for is um, where Laura talks about the not taking other people's feedback as negative. Now, there's definitely going to be some people out there that are just, you know, what do, you want to, what do we call them? Trolls? Yes, call them trolls. There are going to be those people out there, and that's fine. It's going to happen. Matter of fact, if you got some trolls, it's probably a good thing that you have trolls because that means you're getting noticed. It's okay. But there's some things to take away from the, that negative feedback, and Laura speaks to that in the different areas that she was receiving some feedback, some criticism on her work. Next thing here is the the book is the entry point for her core offering. And Laura dives into what that actually looks like, the ascension model, if you will, of her business and how people who are not qualified necessarily for her direct coaching, what she does for them and the process she takes them through to make them ready for her core offering. I mean, this is like business gold. you got to pay attention to that section um, if you want to really build a solid business. The final thing to, that I want to point out here is that Laura, being a freelancer and helping other freelancers to build their businesses and really thinking about the idea of where the economy is going and what the marketplace is going to look like as far as being uh, being freelancers or having what was called the gig economy. Well, Laura gives the one thing that separates paid freelancers from the underpaid freelancers. So you want to pay attention to what that one key tip is. But that's enough of me chatting right now. Let's get into the conversation. Excellent. Yeah, um, we're just right on the roll. We just got to just keep blessing me with some uh, some great speakers, great business owners, entrepreneurs, and authors, of course, that we're bringing out to our, this podcast to the TFP family. And today, um, he's not letting us down again. We have another great entrepreneur. Um, I, you know what? I'm not even going to talk. I'm just going to read her bio, and we're going to get right into this conversation with Miss Laura Briggs, um, because... The stuff I need to learn from this woman today. So I want to get into this conversation so we can spend as much time talking to her and not listening to me. So Laura Briggs spent most of her life preparing to be an educator and then burned out after working as a middle school teacher in Baltimore City. B-City. I remember I went to school out there in uh, Howard University, D.C. 
After started, uh, afterwards, she started a freelance writing career on the side. She quickly replaced and surpassed her day job earnings and hit the six-figure mark in just 18 months. Since 2013, she's worked full-time for herself, helping clients with content and project management by leveraging time management and digital teams. She now teaches others how to build fulfilling lifestyle businesses from home as a coach. Laura Briggs is a speaker, freelancer, business coach, and author of How to Start Your Own Freelance Writing Business. And she has two forthcoming books, business books for freelancers. Laura Briggs, welcome to the TFP. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me. Great job reading that bio. It's like a voiceover <laughs> artist. <laughs> Man, you know, my listening to my dad for years, he was on the radio when I was a kid and he was Mr. Loverman. So we had that, that deep radio voice and it gets on there and it sounds like that. I got like, if when I was young, I was like, I don't want to hear that voice from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and we have all these small CD or small tapes that he oh, yeah. kept of them, like from like, I mean, like tapes, like for the kids on the radio to the show <laughs> tapes, like actual tapes. <laughs> <laughs> and he still has the big spiral uh, recorder things. I can't think of what they're called right now, but the big, the big wheels, oh, the reels, reels, big reels. Awesome. But Laura, is there anything else that you want to add on to family kids or anything like you want to add on to there today? Um, I am a military spouse. My husband was in the Navy for 14 years, enlisted and officer. So um, that's a big part of why I freelance too, was all the moving. (laughs) Mm, Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate his service. Most definitely. Dad was in the army too. I appreciate all the service. (laughs) So let's get into the first, uh, first lob here, the first softball before we really dive into it. And that is what are you reading now? Mm, that's a really good question. So I um, listen to business books over audio when I'm working out. And then when I am off the clock, I don't read anything except fiction. So only things that I want to read. So right now I'm working through John Grisham's latest book. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that's no, that's two authors in a row that's reading yeah. John Grisham. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the law. I love his writing. So I'll pretty much read anything that he puts out. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely put those, uh, put some John Grisham in here since there's been a couple authors that's talked about it. That was some of my, my foray into it too. I have John Grisham and Dean Koontz were my people oh, when yeah. I was in high school to read both of those. Um, then I got into urban fiction and blew my mind. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Laura, tell us uh, about your business and then of course, more importantly, why you do what you do. Mm. Well, right now my business has evolved a little bit from where I started. I was freelancing full time for about six years. I did a, it as a side hustle for one year before that as well. So I was kind of building it up, seeing if this was something that was sustainable, something that I wanted to do. Now my time is kind of split um, between writing books because it takes a tremendous amount of work to market a book, not necessarily as much to write it in my opinion, but to market it and to make sure that it's consistently coming out there to new and old readers. And then I also coach freelancers. So I work one-on-one with freelancers who are usually making one to $5,000 a month already. And they're looking to scale that and hit the six figure mark and kind of dealing with some of those more advanced entrepreneurial strategies as well. So I have a podcast, I have a Facebook group for freelancers, and I work with them one-on-one as well. Okay. Excellent. 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 So take us back to that time when you said you was working freelancing for 
a year, a year on the side. And then it was like, and I, cause I noticed one thing you talk about is like how to know when to make that jump. So yeah. what was that day like for you? It was like, <laughs> I gotta go. Oh man. It was like a buildup of little things that I found that my day job was irritating me more and more. Like things that didn't really bother me before were now like, you know, like it would just take over the whole day. And so it was something I really thought about for about six months. And I was just terrified to make the leap. I actually went into my boss and said, um, they were making some cuts and I was like, Hey, I'll go part-time. Like I'm volunteering to go part-time. And she was like, no, we need you. And I was like, Oh man, I thought this was going to be my bridge, you know, out of it. And so it's funny because I had written the two week notice letter. Um, I was volunteering for a national nonprofit. I was going around the country doing public speaking for them and training audiences of, of students. And I really loved that. And my job was getting, even though I was using my sick days and personal days to do it, they were just getting really like aggravated when I would take off like one day and do that. So, um, I had written the two week notice letter and oddly enough that same day I got fired. And so it was, Mm. at first I was stunned, but then I was like, okay, I get severance. I don't have to work the awkward two weeks here with everybody being like, where are you going? Why are you leaving? So it ended up working out fine, but yeah, it was like a lot of little things. Mm. So in that, in that transition period, was there, how do you make that transition? Um, Cause it, you know, we have authors that are, are writing stuff that because they, this is really what they want to do. And they're really doing a lot of stuff on the side. That's just a lot of entrepreneurs right now uh, are starting with well, a smart way to do it. In my opinion right now um, with the thing on the side and they say, all right, it's time to make that leap. But there's that, that, that transition where you got to go from boss said, do this, 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 and this. And I have a checklist. I know to, yeah. I have a checklist, but I don't feel like doing this, this, and this. <laughs> so how, what was that transition like for how, how did you make that transition from, all right, I'm not doing the bosses. I'm going to do it my own and I'm going to be consistent. Cause I know you talk about a lot about batching work and so yeah. forth, which is a new whole new concept. I love productivity and high performance, but there's still that mind shift that we have to make. Yeah. Um, talk to us, talk to us a little about that for you. Well, I think it's, it is always best if you can start with a side hustle because one, it's, it's safer than jumping into a business that you don't know if you love yet. Like if you go all in on something and then three months in, you're like, actually, I hate managing people or I hate raising capital or whatever it is that comes along with your business model. You don't want to be finding that out after you've burned bridges at your employer and taken your life savings and poured it into it. Right. So mm-hmm. I like the idea of doing the side hustle because I was working full time and I was doing my PhD classes two to three nights a week as well. I had to be like very sharp with how I did my schedule. So I could only freelance maybe eight to 10 hours a week total. And so when I sat down to have an hour of focused work, I was really dedicated to it. And what I was most afraid of when I made the jump, I knew I knew how long it took me to do projects, how to price them, how to market. I had like all those basics, but I thought, now that I have all day open to do this, am I going to be disciplined enough or am I going to like, oh, all of a sudden it's four o'clock and I've been watching TV all day and I didn't do anything. I didn't know if that open, you know, openness of the schedule would help me or not. And so it was a little bit rocky at first. I had to figure out, you know, leaving a day job. I was so resistant to working nine to five. I like, even if it was going to be my most productive hours, I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not sitting my computer. So it was definitely some work to get that set up. And, you know, I think having that transition from side hustle to full-time makes it a little easier for you because there's less adjustment. It's not like a total 180 from 
working in an office somewhere or doing some other type of job. You, you kind of know what you need to do. And now it's just about trusting yourself enough to do it. Mm. So I would say we got our first bar dropped in there. Y'all listen, listen. Um, Cause there's, there's a lot of us that says we hear the, the hear the idea of, of jump and parachute, like, <laughs> get your wings, parachute, whichever metaphor you want to use is going to catch you along the way. Um, if it's the thing for you to do. And if you're driven, it's absolutely true. You're going to jump and you're going to figure out, you're going to figure out how to, how to fly from what, on the way down. Right. However, I love what you said here. It's like, but that doesn't mean it's the, it's the what you want to do. It doesn't mean that's the wings that you want right now. And so I, I love hearing that idea of basically testing and, and getting ready to see the, for, the, for the transition. And then knowing that when it's time for you to go and you're ready to put that two weeks notice in, God's going to push you off the cliff anyway and say, look. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Like I could have left so much sooner, but it was great to have a year of experience because I also wanted to track too whether there was seasonal aspects to this income. So I didn't know like, what if I, what if no one hires freelancers in December? I want to know that before I'm doing this full time. And so I think doing it as a side hustle or part-time, you know, you just want to make sure that it's something that you really like. And it's so much easier when you don't start from zero. Like if you, if you jump and you have nothing, now you have to find clients or income or sell things or set up a website. And it's like, overwhelmed, right? If you've done this as a side hustle, you got some of those pieces in place. And you're like, I just have to like tap the gas pedal here a little bit harder than I was before. And that it's a little bit easier to do that when you make the jump. Excellent. 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 So let's talk about this book then, since you made the jump and now you're helping others to make that trend, make that transition from, um, from being a co working on the side there and then going into a freelance business. Now, the first book here is on um, how to start writing, you know, start your own freelance writing business. So let's talk about this book. So when did you write the, when did you publish the book? And then tell us why you really decided I need to publish this book. It needs to be out there from my perspective. Yes. So the book was published in July of 2019. I wrote it in about three months towards the end of 2018. I remember because the manuscript was due to the publisher December 1st of 2018. So it was actually a pretty fast timeline. Yeah. To write a book, they, they usually take like one to two years to go to press and be published, but this was kind of an accelerated timeline. And it's funny because it wasn't the book that my agent and I were actually trying to sell. We were trying to sell another book, which is now my second book. And, um, publishers kind of came back to us and were like, ah, well, I don't know. I don't know. And then finally entrepreneur came back and said, Hey, uh, we've never worked with Laura before. We have this other project. We'd like her to try first. It's more of an introductory book. It, it fits in this established series of other business books and it would be about starting a freelance writing business. Would you be interested? And so my agent and I kind of went back and forth, like, is this a good fit? Would this still fit with my brand? And we decided to do that as the first book. So for me, the way that I went into it was if I had to go back to 2012 and start all over again Mm. and telling that version of Laura what to do, what not to do, what red flags to look for, what would I want in that resource? And so that's very much how I wrote it. And I also wrote it for people to spend less than 20 bucks to pick up something. And they might say they don't want to be a freelancer after reading it, but that's still better that they know it now rather than taking more time and more money to invest in it. So I'm very candid in the book about the pros, the cons, the challenges you're going to have to overcome because I want people to have an honest, you know, kind of review of what it's really like to work as a freelance writer. 
Excellent. I, lo- I love that you give that perspective here. So for those, for the TFP family, as you're looking to write the, your, your first book or your next book, looking from that perspective of uh, what was it like in the beginning? You know, um, mm-hmm. as a recovering addict, I still attend a lot of meetings and sometimes I get, um, I, I talk about where I am right now. And, but we got to realize that the person who's coming into the rooms is, doesn't know anything and they don't understand how you have so many years. I can't even put together a couple hours. You're talking about a couple of years. How are you putting this up together? And I, so I have to remind, I have to remind myself like, all right, where was I? Yeah. The, those years ago when I was sitting in their seat, what was it like then? What would I would have known? What I need to, you know, how do they keep me going forward? So I love that perspective to help me get not only the hope, but then as you said, to say like, is this for me? So that is definitely a great perspective to be writing this book from to help someone see, um, especially when you're doing a how-to book, especially when yeah. you're doing a how-to book as opposed to like, here's my theory and here's my, here's my, uh, my diary, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> how to do yeah. something. And part of that was that because I've been, I'd been at it for a while and what you just mentioned is the reason I stopped publishing income reports in my email newsletter and stuff, because for some people like that, they're trying to make their first hundred dollars. Right. And so stuff that's way far beyond that, they can't even fathom it. Right. And so it was just, it wasn't really serving a purpose to help people. But when I wrote this book, I hired 15 new freelancers. And I said, I want you to look at the chapter outlines. You tell Mm -hmm. me if it's in order, you tell me what questions you'd have, what obstacles you had to overcome, because I very much wanted it to be written to that total beginner and not from this, like, Oh, I've been doing this for, you know, seven years now. So blah, blah, blah. I really wanted it to be like, this is, you know, the stuff you absolutely need to start. Here's what you can ignore. Don't worry about this other stuff now type of thing oh we're gonna drop it you saw a subtle bar you just dropped it that's another one so he's this you're getting kind of good that you're getting kind of quick just back to back to back right now and what i just okay so when we're writing a book what a, a key piece to getting that final that final manuscript done is um understanding who first off you gotta know who your ideal reader is before you start writing mm-hmm. um but then going back and making sure that this fits your ideal re- ideal uh, reader. And the one way to do it, an exceptional way to do it, is to actually give it to the people that you need to read this book. And that goes, that is one of the final steps before saying like, all right, everything's there. Before I say, all right, let's finish it up. Let's go ahead and get it done. And people skip that step because they want to just get the, they're tired of working on the book. I've edited it. I've <laughs> re-looked at it. I've rewritten this, this paragraph. 10 times, just this one paragraph. <laughs> I don't want to rewrite it. I just want to be done with it. However, that perspective right there lets you know, like, are you, is your book doing what you, what you were designing it to do? Right. Uh, and so yeah. I think that's a key piece to writing a great book and getting the right, um, right message out into the market for your ideal reader. If that's serious mm-hmm. to you and as part of this family, TFP, you know, that's part of your job. Get the right book to the right people yeah. at the right time. that's right and even if someone else's insight is not something that you end up putting in the book Mm -hmm. that insight that i got from newer freelancers basically built out the bonuses that I gave for my pre-orders. So they would say, oh, I'd really want to know like a calculator to to make my rates. And I'm like, okay, that's not a whole chapter, but I could make that into an online resource that I link to. And then people who pre-order on my launch team will get access to that stuff. So it's very helpful for you to think about it. And it takes some of the pressure off you as authors. You have to make decisions on everything, what to include, what not to include, what order it goes in, what resources, who are you linking to? It's a lot, right? But when you can Mm -hmm 
outsource some of that to other people and, and ask like, Hey, am I on the right track here? You'll either get some great feedback to build in or you'll revamp everything, you know? Oh, she snuck in another one. Y'all, um, uh, snuck in another one really. Cause a key to key to, uh, writing these business books is how am I going to build my list? I mean, of course, with Amazon being the 80 plus percent of books sold in the world, sold through Amazon, but um, Amazon has their list of what, 400 million credit cards now or something like that, and they're not sharing their list <laughs> with anybody, That's right. right? But I want my own, so you gotta, I want my own list, you want your own list, you gotta start creating your own list, and I love that you're using that as like, oh, this is an added bonus that's like, Oh my God, I was just thinking that. Yeah, I know you were. I heard somebody who read the book before you that said I was thinking that. And I want to make sure when you came along that you had what she was thinking. Like, I know, I know, I know. Exactly. It's kind of freaky, isn't it? I know. <laughs> right. No, and what a great way. Yeah. Like what a great way to over deliver too, because even mm -hmm. if the book is good standalone as itself, the person who's willing to go online and check out the additional resources is already in a place of gratitude towards you. Cause they're like, man, the book was awesome. Here's this additional resource or PDF I can use. Let me hop on over to Amazon or Goodreads and leave this person a review. So like mm -hmm. as an author, you're collecting their information, you're exceeding expectations. Like it's mm -hmm. just a great way to continue to build that relationship with people. Yes. And even from a talking perspective, where it's like, I read this book and then do I even get the bonuses though? Like some, somebody's going to be like, it was the bonus yeah. that made me, you know, that, that yeah. really took it to that next level for me. And they may have half read the book, but I got that bonus and there's like sharing yeah. a message. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, let's talk about what your, what your business. I know you just, the book just came out here a few months ago, um, which is awesome that it came out so quickly because I definitely is one of the reasons why I tell people the self-publish is like, dude, you mm -hmm. don't, you don't know when your book's going to come out. You have no control <laughs> over that. Um, but what I would ask you here is that what, what is your business like before the book? I know you're transitioning. What is your book like book, um, your business like before the book? And then what is it starting to look like after you published a book, speaking engagements, whatever, what's coming about because of that? Yeah, big changes, right? And I think that that happens for a lot of authors. Like no matter how well the book does, you kind of have to shift things in order to make this be an ongoing part of your business. You can't really mm. think of it as a separate project. So for me, I was freelancing full-time and maybe coaching one to two freelancers at a time on the side. Um, when I knew that the book was going to be coming out, I put a lot of effort into building a marketing plan. I built my marketing plan around the same time, like right after I turned in the final manuscript in December, I started, I shifted immediately to marketing. Like these are the things I need to do three months out, six months out, one month out. These are the people I need to hire to help me with that. Like these are the software tools I need to invest, et cetera. So I put a lot of work into my marketing plan and really tried to have as much of that coincide with the launch of the book and the following 90 days after it goes live as possible. And I know that I was successful in that, not just because of the sales, but because I had multiple people. I was at conferences all summer. Like I was literally like everywhere, shameless plug. Here's the book. Here's the book. Like I'm talking mm -hmm. about it everywhere. It's always in my pile of papers at the conference, et cetera. Someone came up to me and said, I've never heard of you before, but I have seen your book everywhere. And I was like, yep, that's on purpose. <laughs> like I'm having people talk about it. They're posting reviews. I'm sharing it on social, like everything I can possibly do. So 
Um, I've shifted more into doing more coaching now. Um, I also do a lot, of course, making like how that book is going to bridge into the second book and the third book, building my platform. That's huge for any author. Like that should be almost a daily or weekly activity for us mm -hmm. is how do we find new people? How do we bring them in? How do we continue that relationship and keep people excited? And so that's, that's part of the reason I had to scale my freelance business down much like I had to you make that decision with my day job, like, huh, I can't really do both these things and fit them in well. So for me, it was about, you know, that short-term investment for the long-term game. Like sometimes I have to leave freelance money on the table and say like, yeah, my book is coming out in three months. Like that's my focus for those three months to make mm -hmm. sure that it is as successful as possible. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I love that because um, I remember my first book, and I was like, oh, my God, this book, God downloaded some stuff into me. And I don't even know what I said. I have to read the books to know what I type because that was that good. That was not my words. I didn't do it. So when people read this book, just the title alone, everybody's buying it. Mm -hmm. I ain't got to do no marketing. No marketing. <laughs> just going to post it up there and God's going to do it. Man, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? And it and it breaks my heart because I see so many authors go through that and it's not because they didn't really want to do the work. There was just no one to tell them how to do it or which aspects were important of it because you can find lots of materials online that are like the 321 steps to marketing your book. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> no. <laughs> which one do I start with? You know, so it's really overwhelming, but it's very important. I, I was telling my audience the other day, I'm like, I spend at least least 30 to 35% of my time in an overall book project, building and implementing the marketing plan. Like to me, it definitely takes more time than the writing, the editing, the outlining, mm -hmm. like it just takes that much work, but it, it pays off in the end. And it's something mm -hmm. like great authors who don't have a publishing house behind them. And even if you do, you still have to market it a lot yourself. They're good marketers. They're not just good writers, but they're good marketers too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I like that. I thank you for giving that percentage there. Um, Cause the idea of trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this book is definitely more important, which is the reason why I start off in that in my the first section, my first phase of helping authors, uh, helping these entrepreneurs and speakers to write their book is about you know securing a bag. What is your how are you going to profit? Thinking profit first. What are you going to do about this? And then we're engineering everything else towards the writing the book to get that done. But I'm helping you get the book done super quickly so that you can get right back to doing creating the back-end products, finding out yeah. how, where you're going to market at, where, who are you going to send this book to to start getting on stages. That is way more important um, than making the, the, the necessary, the, the, the more, the great book of all the yes. best book of all time. Because uh, even writing the best book of all time, it still doesn't mean people are going to read the book. That's <laughs> right. They use, somebody, I have books that I purchased just because I've heard people talk about it and I, one day I'm going to read it, but I need to have that book to say, Oh, I got that book too. That's just a little pride thing, right? <laughs> to have that yeah. book. Um, specifically one more in particular, I hear you talk about uh, more recently also, which is uh, big magic. I still have not read the book, but I have it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, it's a great book. I listened to that on audiobook. See, I can't like, I can't, read any more business stuff during the day. Mm -hmm. So I will use my audible credits. And it's like, if I'm on the treadmill, if I'm at the gym, if I'm doing a long haul drive, mm -hmm. that's when I listen to that stuff. Cause I'm like you, I have this huge stack in the corner, but I, <laughs> I haven't touched, I got the books, <laughs> but I haven't read them yet. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. So TFP family, you got to pay attention to what's said here. Um, <clears throat> 
writing the book about three months. Mm -hmm. um, but then <laughs> it was going and publishing the book. I was still not publishing, but going and marketing the book. It took a lot of time for you to go. How much you how long did you took spent um trying to get the just a plan together for that? Oh, I spent at least six weeks, like probably yeah. daily. I I had this big Google document. I would go look at that at <laughs> daily and like add stuff, remove mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Excellent. And then you so you had a plan. Listen to what was said. CFP family, subtle little bar that was dropped in there. Catch the bar. Catch the go catch this gold bar. Three months of implementation beforehand. Launch the book three-month plan afterwards mm -hmm. to continue. And then that doesn't mean yeah. it's going to stop there because there's more no. books to come and you still want to continue using the book and leveraging the book in any rich way that you can to share this message, to share and build the platform. But look at that. One day, <laughs> three, 90 days before and after that one day yeah. of launch, there's work to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. And, it, and it's definitely a key aspect of even... Um, as we said in your bio, which says forthcoming books, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is already yeah. preparing the stage or paving the stage, uh, the way for the next new books for authors or excuse me, there are readers. So you're ready for that next book. Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's, 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 I want to touch on some of the things you learned in this writing process. Cause obviously there's some things you learned about yourself and about things that you want to do in your life. So mm -hmm. what did you learn from the writing process? Oh, I learned, well, one, that even as a person who's been professionally writing for many years, I took it really hard when I opened the editor's version and there were 5,000 individual changes. Like I was like, yeah, I'm a writer. Like my copy is pretty clean. I've proofread it. No, I was like, oh, I didn't want to touch it. Right. Like I opened it, closed it and ignored it for 10 days, even though I should have been using that time to edit. So one thing I learned was don't take other people's feedback as a negative because 99.9% mm. .9 of everything the editor said was fair or made the book better. So it was comments that improved things. Of course, we still miss things. There's still things that could be better. But mm -hmm. I, I think what I took away from it is to view each book as a learning experience. You're yes. not going to turn in something that's perfect. A hundred percent. Every buyer loves it. You're never going to do that. So do the mm -hmm. best that you possibly can and then take the notes from that. And like how I marketed my first book taught me a lot about like, for example, using my launch team and my advanced reader team for the future book. So now I'm involving people even sooner in the process. Like, hey, here's the outline of the 12 chapters. I want your feedback on this now before I even write. And I think that that's really informed a lot. And of course, so my next book, um, it's we're recording this in November. My next book will come out in October 2020. Yes, I've started the marketing plan for that book too. It's just a mm -hmm. Google Doc with some brain dump ideas of what worked best. But I'm always looking like looking backwards. Like, okay, if that comes out in October, these are the things I need to do before. This is what I need to do now because it's going to take me that long. And then this is what I've got to do immediately after it. And you'll thank yourself when the book goes live if you've done that. Love it. And I love that simple... Um, strategy there because sometimes we can look at or like I'm a writer I'm an artist I don't know that business stuff I don't know how to market I need to get somebody but what I'm hearing here is like you know obviously you're a marketer you had to learn how to get your services out there you've been doing it for years at this point <laughs> almost a yeah. decade um, working there working building your business but we're looking at it as like look it's a it's a six months a year late from now I got this idea. Let's put it in a spreadsheet. Oh, I yes. just read this article over here. Yes. Boom, I didn't do that. 
I saw this yes. Facebook post or Instagram post. Oh, I like that. Let me put that down. And, and you figure yes. it out a little bit later and it, as it starts coming together, um, you create a, a, a timeline for it. But I love how simple yes. you're keeping that and not being trying like, oh my God, I got to do the perfect. We don't know what's yeah. going to work. <laughs> and don't like, and yeah, and don't feel like you have to read all the things. Just like you said, I've come across great articles. Like I read one the other day, or I read the first paragraph of it. And it was like how I used Amazon ads to, you know, make $3,000 in revenue mm. in a week. I'm like, I want to read that, but it's 4,000 words. I don't have time now. So I just have a Google doc that says <laughs> book marketing ideas. And I will throw links, pictures, screenshots, mm -hmm. whatever in there. And then on one day when I'm sitting down and doing a two or three hour stretch, I might go through and read all those things and decide, yes, that's something I want to do or no, it's not that important, but don't feel pressurized. Like you come across something. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have to read this all now. I have to master Amazon ads today. I need to go buy a course about it. Just well, be like, coach, so hear yeah. you say that. <laughs> yeah, like grab something, save it, and then come back to it at another time. So now speaking of Google docs, I got to ask you as, as part of the freelancers and this is people who love writing and so forth. What, Google Docs versus Evernote. I'm an Evernote junkie, man. I'm like, oh, look at you. Look at your face. Well, <laughs> no, so I know a lot of people who love Evernote and yeah. I have all of my academic articles for my dissertation in Evernote. But because my business, we use Google Suite so often and I have that open every day. It was, it's just been easiest for me. I have a folder called books. Each book has a folder within that. Each one of them has a tracking spreadsheet for how many words I need to hit and how many words each you know chapter is at currently. Um, I color code it like yellow means I need to edit it. Green means it's done. It's ready to go off. Um, so for me, just because everything else is organized in Google Docs, it's easier for me to do mm. it there. And it's also easier for me to share with other people and say like, right. hey, can you take a look at this? But yeah, I know, I'm sure that if I spent like a weekend organizing stuff in Evernote, I would probably never turn back. But the fear of like that technology learning curve. I'm like, do I change everything when this seems to be working at least fairly well? I don't know. Okay. I, okay. I'll accept that. I'll accept yeah. that. <laughs> I'll accept it. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, <clears throat> I want to, I want to touch on um, quickly, maybe one or two of your best book promo tips. And then I want to talk a little bit about, about the freelance stuff before we get and start wrapping things up here tonight, uh, this afternoon. <laughs> so what are, what's your best book promo tip that you've been using, been, uh, been working the best for you? Yeah. So I actually didn't do it today, but normally mm -hmm. when I record in my basement studio, we took a cover image of my book, blew it up into a poster and it hangs behind my head. Mm -hmm. So I do that when I do a lot of calls with my clients, when I do Facebook lives in my group like Ooh, because you. people will almost always ask about it right and you can have like your book on a shelf but that's small right so it costs right. me like 20 bucks to go print this at office max and put it in a walmart frame and everyone will ask about it so that's one of my favorite ones it also helps if you do something like youtube and that way every time you do a youtube video that's always behind you it's like consistency with branding so that's probably one of my favorites and then just um i would say the second one is have a launch team or an advanced reader team. Your launch team can build a lot of buzz early on. I asked my launch team, for example, to take pictures of when they got their book from pre-order and share it on mm, social media. That's good. And so like a lot of freelancers were all sharing the same resource at the same time and everyone's seeing it on Facebook and Instagram. And so then they decide to go and buy it for themselves or maybe they buy it for 
a friend. So those are probably my two favorites. Excellent. Yeah, I, I saw you heard me typing. I was like, I'm not losing this one right now because I usually <laughs> listen to them again as I take my notes and get yeah. prepared to release it. But I was like, I put it on my to-do yeah. to have it, my book blown yeah. up. Like yeah. that, I was like, no, that's getting done this week. Awesome, <laughs> like yes. Because I can put it, boom, right there. Yes, and yeah. you know what? So many people, like even when I'm on a Zoom interview with one of my clients that has nothing to do with them wanting to buy the book, they'll ask about it. And it's also a credibility thing. Like if you've written a book, people will mm-hmm. all are always curious. How'd you do it? What did you think of it? Will you write another one? And so if you're going into a sales call or something, even if it's unrelated to your book's topic, mm-hmm. it's a great icebreaker. So I really mm-hmm. love doing that. Love it. And well, I love that. I'm like I said, it's gonna be done. Um, nice. I might shoot you an email like, yes. here's my news. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> quickly, quickly on the touch. I want to follow up on that on the the, the arcs or the Manfredo copies going out uh-huh. and building the launch team. That's something that um, can be difficult. I found with people to get done because it seems like my some of my authors would feel like. I'm scared to ask people to like support my, so yeah. what was that? What was that thing for you? Does like, all right, like maybe that mind shift and the, the, the shift and thinking like for you to go out and ask them to be part of that launch team. Well, one, you may get a really sweet deal that they want to be a part of. So for my mm-hmm. launch team, they were going to get like signed versions. They were going to get additional bonuses beyond the pre-order bonuses. Mm. And I did two one-hour live trainings just with them about where mm. I think the future of freelance writing is going. Like no one else is going to see that, right? So that was also their chance to show up live and ask questions. And then I also made my launch team application only. So even if you're like, but wait, I'm asking people to do a favor for me. Yes, you are. But we want the people who are motivated enough to fill out a Google form that takes two minutes. And I did this again with taking my launch team into now my advanced reader team. Uh, I wanted to feel like the people wanted to do it. So I put it out there. Like I even asked, why do you want to be on my launch team? Right. And I, Mm -hmm. like, if someone put in there, like, because I want a free book, well, okay, (laughs) you're not going to probably end up right. You have to be selective, even though you're asking people to do things. So make it something that they can't pass up, whether that's your time, you're going to throw in somebody else's book. You're going to do a giveaway, right? Like Mm -hmm. I did a raffle of like, someone got two weeks of free coaching with me. So make it irresistible where they're like, wow, not only am I getting the book early, I'm getting getting all these bonuses. I might win something like it. And then also that makes them that much more successful. If you give them the book and then these other tools that help them, they're talking about the book. They're saying, you got to go follow Laura. You got to listen to her podcast. So it's only more and more marketing that goes out further because of that effort. I love it. I love that. Um, that psychology that goes on there. Like I'm asking you to be on this, but if you're, if you're not even willing to fill out this application or um, and, or even tell me what you, what it is, why you want to be on here, then you're, you're definitely not going to, when I say, will you post this picks, everybody post this pick on this day or share this link on their own day, then you're probably not going to do it. If you're not even willing exactly. to do this little, little thing. Yes. I got we that. are, I like that. Sc- we're screening people for that. And you'd be surprised. You might be thinking, I don't have anything free. I can give away. If you, if you're like, if I'm a fiction writer, like what bonuses could I have? Like do like one scene from another character's perspective. And that's mm. the bonus. They get an additional chapter or one of the things my audience loves is a lot of them want to write a book. And so as part of my advanced reader team, I talk to them about how I outline, how I edit, how yeah. all of that. So they get to see behind the scenes. So even if if you're like, I don't know what to include, you'd be surprised at how many people are just interested in the process of you writing and publishing a book. Love it. Love it. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So as we, as we, before we get into um, the backend product sales and then wrapping this up here today, I want to touch on 
what would be at least one or two tips, whichever one you want, how many you want to do in the time frame we have here, um, on someone that wants to become a freelance writer. So what would you suggest to them, something you want to give to them, maybe something they can do this week um, mm -hmm. to start this process and maybe a long-term goal, like how, what would you do over the long-term and become better at it? Yeah. Okay. So the, the most important thing as a freelance writer, there's two things. It's your pitch and it's your writing samples because they can overcome any other barrier you have, like mm. being totally new or not studying English in college or whatever. Good writing and a great pitch will overcome a lot of those things. So if you're going to investigate any things, it should be those two. Start with that. How do I write a great pitch? What converts well? What marketing methods are going to work with that pitch type of a thing? So that's mm. where I would start. And as far as writing, if you're like, I don't know what to come up with, create a blog as your sample, like have that be your one sample mm. that you use over and over again. You can add in other things in the future, but that's probably the easiest one to come up with. And then over the long run, I really love the idea of setting a weekly goal, either number of pitches or number of hours you're going to spend marketing. So for me, if I was not sending five pitches a day, even when this was a side hustle, I was falling behind, right? Like, because I have to account for people who will never read it, people who will open it and never do anything after that. Like there's a lot of fall off in that process. So you got to keep your numbers up. So for me, that was 25 pitches a week, every week, over and over and over until I was fully booked. And then I could back it off a little bit, but having a number to work with, even if it's like 30 minutes a day, I pitch or I do some type of marketing. It keeps you accountable. Okay. That's a simple little bar. It's dropped at the end. She's trying to end on a high note. I love it. We're going from beginning to end, the middle. You know what? Let, 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 can we unpack that just a little bit? Yeah. Can we please? Can we please? Um, what I'd like to know here, because I, I do, from getting on podcasts, right, is yeah. one thing, pitching those um and then like pitch, pitching those every week, every week is like, all right, my goal is just simply put the, put two out because I'm doing mm -hmm. other stuff. I'm like, I'm just going to put two out a day and just keep going, keep going, keep going. And a lot of times I don't hear anything back. And then sometimes I hear stuff back like two months later. It's like, wait a minute, what, what podcast was like, when did, when did yeah. I send this? But I, again, I started, I started keeping a, a spreadsheet in Evernote, um, <laughs> for me to see when I pitch these people, uh, the different podcasts. So, but my thing question to you is this, there's, there's somebody who's going to be thinking like, I'm, I only talk about financial services. I only talk about, you know, soccer. I only talk about being a mom um, at, you know, works at, at, at home, you know, trying to raise kids. Like these are my niches and I may not write on these other areas and I don't want to write on these other areas. So how do I find enough people to do this consistently? Or is it repetitive? Like every month you're going back over the same people. Like what was, what is that thought process there? So you want to be pitching companies or people that you're interested in already. So even if you are that, like you're, you're that stay at home parent and you're all about like the mom and dad life tips. Great. You want to compile the biggest list of people in that industry possible. And you want to hit all of them as much as possible. But the chances of you being a one faceted person are really small, right? So when I pitch myself on podcasts, sometimes it has nothing directly to do yeah. with my book. I was on a podcast a couple months ago about, being married to physicians. Literally, that was the whole topic of the show. So we talked about what it's like to be married to a, a guy in the Navy who's also a doctor and oh, getting him cool. through med school and residency. So sometimes it's not always that direct stuff as well. And I take the same approach with my freelance writing clients. A lot of what I write is in 
legal and financial. But someone came to me last year and said, I want to create a course about essential oils. I heard you use essential oils. Would you make it? Of course, right? Because none of us are one faceted people. So be open to like things that you're passionate about because when you're passionate about it, your clients or those podcast hosts, they hear it and they can tell. Okay. Love that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So um, before we get into the, the final questions here, the last question as far as business questions here. Um, how are you leveraging your book right now for your back-end product sales? Like, so what are you doing? How are you using it to bring in more clients or cut their consultants or whatever? Right. It is the great entry level product because mm-hmm. I don't typically coach beginners. And so it's a great way for me to direct people who might say, Oh, I want to, I want to coach with you, but I'm currently making $200 a month. Great. You're not the right fit for coaching. Go read the book. But if you have any questions, shoot me an email and I'll make you a personal video in response. So for me, it's about building that trust. It's about inviting them into my Facebook group. It's about getting them to show up live at a webinar. So the book is like the entry point, but I know that there's going to be possibly a long lull between when they come in and when something of mine is a possible fit for them. So at the beginning for me, it's all about building up that value. And so that might mean that they read my book on freelance writing and then they go, great, I need to market myself. I'm going to become a freelance writer. How do I do that? And then they go check out my online course about how to leverage LinkedIn for freelancers. And so they might go there. They might hire me as a a coach for a one-time strategy session or for three months of focused work together. But I know that there's a lot of time gap in between. So my job there is to hit them with value, give them great free tools, drive them to my podcast episodes, because I don't want them to forget who I am. So it's very much a part of my overall scheme, but it's really about like, Hey, if you can't afford anything else and you're literally at the beginning, this is 15 bucks, go see what you think of it. And then I'm going to plug you into whatever other stuff I have. That's going to be a possible fit for you so that you keep thinking about me and the value that I provide and, and hopefully kind of come into my world and, and we connect in another way. Excellent. So then a quick question on there um, for the, the, for the person hearing this is like, they're thinking about becoming a freelance writer, but they're not necessarily they like writing necessarily isn't there something they love doing, yeah. but they can do it well. Is there anything that you want to throw at them? Like, you know, whether it's worth even trying, like, like if you're not willing to do this, 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 like, don't even think yeah. about it. Well, I'll say that it's easiest if you love grammar. That can include judging other people's Facebook posts, by the way. Yeah, so if you I love grammar that. and punctuation. I like call them grammar Nazis. <laughs> that's, that's a good place to start, right? And then if you've always been an avid reader, there's a good chance that you understand vocabulary and mm-hmm. flow of writing easily. And then I'll say the one reason that I joke about this with some of the freelancers I've coached, I'll, I'll say to them, half the reason we're in business is because other people can't meet deadlines. So if you can meet a mm. deadline, you will leap frog ahead of 50% of freelancers to start with. But if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know if this is like, if writing is the right fit, the good thing is that freelancing is really having a moment. And there's so many different possible freelance side hustles. Like you could even do editing or proofreading or working as a virtual assistant. I have a PDF report that we took and found the 25 highest paid, easiest to break into freelance side hustles. It's going to explain the software you need to know what this person does every day and their average hourly rate. So you Mm. can check that out at betterbizacademy.com slash side hustle. And that way, even if writing isn't a fit for you, something else on that list might be, or it might be something you can share with one of your kids or a colleague where they've been, they have a skill set they could use online. Love it. 25 Side hustle. So you're giving a breakdown of that. Yep. I love that. I love yeah. that. So give us give that uh, address better biz forward slash side hustle. Side hustle. Yep. 
Love it. Definitely going to have those in the show notes. Um, okay, so let's get into some more of the fun stuff as okay. we're closing out. What do you do on your days off that most people don't know about? <laughs> okay, so I've been tap dancing for going on oh, 31 years now. Whoa. So once a week, I have class with a group of women here in Minnesota, and I just really love it. It's family tradition. My grandmother was a professional tap dancer, so I am not savvy on Glover level not life goals, right? But like, right, I'm, right. I'm pretty good. <laughs> That's what's up, a tap dancer. Love it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so tell us what your favorite book is. And if you have to, you know, do one or two or whatnot, um, yeah. whatever it may be. Uh, so my favorite all-time book And you can is, go fiction, nonfiction. Yeah, I'm going to go with fiction just because it really sparked my love of reading and writing. Um, I lived in England for a year during college. Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte has always yeah. been my favorite book. So I love the Bronte sisters. Bronte my husband, sisters. Yeah, my husband took me to the UK. That's where he proposed. And he got me behind the scenes at the Bronte Parsonage to see their drawings and writings as children. Wow. So I was just like, this is everything. <laughs> mm, that's awesome. Yeah, I heard there was writing like they were just uh, the three sisters were like writing everywhere like just all the time yes. little short stories and then eventually Everything. like they were bad and then eventually they're like because they've been practicing i think what is it the talent code yeah i was reading the talent code that's what we're talking about that and yeah they wrote so much and then eventually like they're writing these great works because they've been writing since they were kids yeah. all the time yeah Love it. god good job look at him taking it behind the scenes he- <laughs> I know you did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell us what your favorite quote is. Uh, my favorite quote is from my childhood hero, sharpshooter, Annie Oakley. And it's aim at a high mark. You might not hit it the first time, the second time, or the third time, but keep on trying because practice makes perfect. So sometimes even if you get knocked down, keep mm. trying and working towards something. Like we were talking about, it doesn't come out perfect the first time. So mm. be willing to work and improve. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So before we give us the, give the TFP family, how to get in contact with you, websites, things of that nature, or social media handles, um, this, I'm going to give you opportunity right now. It's your mic, your audience, your camera, um, to share your message with the world. Go ahead and let us know what the message is that you must share. So in the next 10 years, there will be more freelancers in the workforce in the United States than there will be traditional employees. So now is the time to start thinking about how this could support you or your family as a side hustle or as a career. If you need a freedom and flexible based career where you can really be creative, I'm really on a mission to show people that writers and creatives do not have to be starving artists. You can get paid well for your work and your skills. So my only regret is not starting sooner. So if any part of this has spoken to you and you're like, I want to try it and just try one client like please don't wait push yourself to try that one client because you really have nothing to lose by doing it love it thank you thank you so much you heard it you heard it best from uh, miss laura briggs there tfp family if you're ready to try try get out there get off your butts <laughs> and get the first <laughs> client and if you don't know how make sure you go grab laura briggs books so you can at least figure out how to get that done, how to start your own freelance or writing business. Mm-hmm. So Laura, let us know, I'll let the family know um, maybe what's next for you how to, and how to connect with you. So my next book is called, well, tentatively titled The Six-Figure Freelancing Roadmap. It's really all of the strategies and mindset things you need to have in place to scale a freelance business. And then I also drop a podcast episode from my show called Advanced Freelancing 
every week. So it, as you get established and start getting some clients, or even if you want to go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes about things I wish I'd known when I started and my evaluations of different marketing methods, go ahead and check that out. Um, most of the episodes are 20 to 25 minutes. You can fit it in during that morning commute. And that's at betterbizacademy.com slash podcast. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Well, look, Laura, I appreciate you being on here. It's been a lot of fun. I got a lot of nuggets for myself. I even took a note down for, for a to-do for this week. Um, I told you before the podcast that I was, <laughs> this is, this is gonna, I'm going to get some out of this. Nice. So uh, be ready. But, um, you know, thank you for speaking to uh, TFB family, being open and sharing your life with us and your experience and um, your expertise with our family. Appreciate hey, thank, you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Excellent. God bless. You've just listened to episode number 24 of the Thought Fortunes podcast with your host, D. Orlando Fortune. That's me, of course. I want to give thanks to our sound and audio guy, Kyle Benj, and of course, to our creator. Do you have questions or comments? I want you to go ahead and email them to fortune at thoughtfortunepress.com. And if you want to turn your ideas into a branded book that books more speaking engagements and generates more leads and have a signature suite of products that generate more streams of income for your business, go to thoughtfortunepress.com and click on the start here button. That's thoughtfortunepress.com. If you like the show, do us a favor, share, like, and join. Take a screenshot and share the episode with the hashtag thoughtfortunespress.com podcast. And then show us how much you like us by giving us five stars and a review on iTunes. It helps to get more people to hear about the show and spread this message. We need your help, family, to get this into more authors and possible authors' hands. Finally, get into the conversation in the Facebook. Write your first book. Love to converse with you. Answer your questions there inside of the group. That'll be all for today. And until next time, always remember you're only one book away. God bless.